It's Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. Welcome to the Defense Scoop podcast, where you'll hear what's going on in defense technology. I'm the host of the Defense Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Pentagon is requesting more than $3 billion for artificial intelligence and JADC2 initiatives. The DOD wants to become a faster moving and more interconnected force, and the budget request also includes almost $65 billion for cyber, IT, and electronic warfare capabilities. The Marine Corps is set to launch its first software factory. Called the Marine Corps Software Factory will start as a three-year pilot with the goal to empower Marines to code applications at the speed of relevance. The Marine Corps Deputy Commandant for Information and Chief Information Officer Lieutenant General Matthew Glavy will serve as executive sponsor of the factory. You can read more about these stories and more at defensescoop.com. The Pentagon is undergoing a zero-trust pilot effort testing the cybersecurity architecture in the cloud. The DoD has a goal of fully reaching zero-trust capability by 2027. Randy Resnick, director of DoD's Zero Trust Portfolio Management Office, spoke at last month's Zero Trust Summit presented by CyberScoop. At that event, Resnick told me what his office has accomplished in the last 12 months. Uh, so in the last year, uh, we uh, uh, started from, uh, from a standing start and uh, we had to accelerate zero trust. That was our goal. Uh, so in that year, we came out with the next uh, update to the zero trust reference architecture. Uh, most importantly, in November, October, November, we came out with the definition, the DOD definition of zero trust, which uh, is dramatic for us, uh, and uh, the implementation plan, which outlined exactly what needed to get done in five years or less. Uh, um, also, importantly, uh, we set you know, the North Star. We said, we're doing this for a reason, and we're doing these, this to stop the adversary. Uh, nobody ever really articulated a goal like that uh, for cybersecurity. It was innate and understood, uh, but we were putting fingers in dikes uh, you know, in the former way of doing cybersecurity. It hasn't worked. Um, ours is, it has to be a holistic plan. Uh, to, to uh, have the goal of actually stopping the adversary, limiting freedom of movement, lateral movement, micro-segmentation, least privilege, you know, all the goodies of uh, a good cybersecurity approach. So you mentioned the existing documentation that you've developed, the Zero Trust Reference arch Architecture. Um, how are you looking to build on that next? You have this great foundation in place, and so what are some of the next goals you have looking forward? Obviously, we're going through 2027, but in the near term, what are you looking to do? So when we look at the calendar year, fiscal year, calendar year, uh, we have a lot on our plate. Uh, so in no particular priority order, what we have going on right now is we're going to be piloting uh, uh, cloud infrastructures with zero trust, uh, I'm calling them overlays inside of them. Uh, so we met with all four uh, uh, CSPs that just happened to coincidentally be uh, the JWCC vendors, but it has nothing to do with JWCC, let me be clear about that. Uh, and we asked them whether or not uh, uh, they could do zero trust in their clouds. Uh, so they came back after about a month or so. We've had interactions ever since. This is last summer. Uh, and uh, uh, make a long story short, we're going to be piloting their instantiations uh, this spring, summer, and fall. This is very, very important because if we could do zero trust in the cloud on any one, two, three, or all four, uh, this would dramatically speed up adoption of zero trust in the DOD. Uh, the five-year plan could potentially become, you know, one year. Uh, you could spin up a cloud in days, a day. Uh, so you still need to move uh, uh, users. 
their data, their applications. There's all kinds of other implications. I understand that. But the foundational zero trust pieces uh, will be there almost immediately rather than uh, uh, modernizing on the ground, which might take a long time, depending on how many endpoints you may have. So this is an accelerator for us, and so we're eager to see whether or not we could do this. And um, we'll test it in the field and uh, produce final reports. So I'm hoping that by the end of the calendar year, certainly maybe by the end of the fiscal year, we'll have real data uh, that could tell us whether or not we could do this in the clouds. And while we were talking over here on the sideline earlier, you mentioned some work you're doing around some NIST standards to potentially, you're, you're not there yet, but you're working on some guidance that, that goes along with that. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we're not, we, uh, so part of our uh, mission uh, is to provide the foundational documents for Zero Trust. Uh, nothing existed. Uh, so there, was, there has been a lot of talk over the last few years about um, figuring out what the NIST 800-53 controls should be for Zero Trust, uh, but nobody ever went about, to my knowledge yet, and did it. Uh, so uh, when fiscal 23 started around October last year, I challenged my team to do it. And we are uh, close, very close, uh, with finishing off our draft. I believe we're going to have something to potentially share in the summertime, but it still requires a lot of uh, coordination and approval processes in DOD and elsewhere. But we will eventually this year uh, present uh, uh, our interpretation of 800-53 in terms of zero trust uh, for public uh, commentary. Great, a tidbit of news for all you out there. Um, as per the, the NDAA a couple years back, you required also, or, or rather, you know, services and field agencies and field offices and whatnot are required to deliver a strategy to your office for their services and whatnot within a year. So. Um, from what I, I've, I've learned in the news lately, the Air Force released something last week, a zero trust framework or roadmap, whatever they're calling it, but is that what you're expecting or what are we expecting with those sort of um, strategies and plans that you will get within the, uh, the year of your office's establishment? So uh, we, uh, when we set up the portfolio office, that was the portfolio office sitting at the very top of DOD in CIO, uh, overseeing everything else that's going on in DOD and all the agencies. Uh, what we found very quickly is that it's very hard to uh, command and control uh, the services and the agencies uh, from just one point. So uh, we encourage the services to start thinking about organizing their, uh, um, their efforts in zero trust in a centralized office similar to a uh, uh, portfolio office. And it turns out that they're on their way in doing that. Uh, so we're very happy about that because then we could communicate with them and it kind of is hierarchical and we can get things done a lot quicker and more efficient. Uh, so as part of that, uh, um, uh, uh, the Air Force came out with their documents. It was announced. What it really is is what they did is they uh, nested their approach uh, underneath ours. So it's not in violation of what we came out with. It's actually in synchronicity to it. Uh, but getting to the NDAA, that's what I would view as their first version, likely of many versions, uh, to the final report that needs to be produced. Quickly, the NDAA says uh, one year after the Zero Trust strategy is written, the services and the agencies need to deliver to the DOD CIO their plans to implement Zero Trust. And to us, it's implementing Zero Trust to the target level. So. 
uh, our plan was signed out in October, late October. So we're expecting plans uh, 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 from the services and agencies in October this year. And they're going to be final plans that will in detail explain to us how, and I'm just throwing this out, the Air Force is going to implement zero trust in their entire infrastructure. It's going to be soup to nuts. Uh, so we're providing that guidance right now to them as to what we want to see in that report. Um, so there'll probably be interim reports that are going to be coming to us just to make sure people are on track to do that. So what you saw from the Air Force was just their first tranche of many. I believe that's leading up to this final report. And that final report may, may trigger uh, the need for more dollars, more people, uh, but it'll outline their schedule. And that's exactly what we want to see. And how many of those are you expecting? I mean, there's a lot of field activities, services, yep. and whatnot. How many are you expecting? And, you know, if they don't all deliver, is there any sort of consequence? Or would we just kind of giving them s sort of the, the pass to get it done when they can? How hardcore is that enforcement? Yep. So uh, uh, like any other NDAA, that comes from Congress. So if they're late, we have to report back to Congress who, where we got things from and uh, who's late. So it's more of an embarrassment factor. We're not going to, like, uh, throw a stick at them. Uh, but I believe everybody's going to be on time. We'll make sure of that. In terms of numbers, we, we calculated out that we might get as many as 27 reports uh, of various sizes. Um, uh, the fourth estate is part of this reporting process. Uh, so that's why the number is so high. Uh, we think we're going to be getting 27. And then, of course, we get them in October. It's going to be a few months for us to make sense of it. So as you look over the course of the next four-ish years now, because you announced uh, the, the intention to get this done in, in 2027. What are some of the home runs you're looking to hit? Obviously, zero trust delivery at the end is, is the idea, but I imagine there's some other important pieces along the way, like data tagging and things like that that we've talked about that are very important and could have you know big implications outside of zero trust itself. So what are some of those things you're looking at? Well, um, we would like to see uh, in the portfolio office the acceleration to the cloud. Uh, so that's another reason why these cloud tests are really important, because we believe, and a lot of others believe, that uh, there's better security in the cloud. Um, and uh, from a centralized location, you could do patching and updating. You know, everybody gets the same thing. So we would like to see that uh, acceleration to the cloud, especially with zero trust. Um, but there are some challenges. Uh, there are challenges in the ICAM world. Uh, you know, if we want to go beyond target into the advanced areas of zero trust, uh, you will find, if you study the, uh, the documents, uh, we require more from the ICAM system than exists today. Uh, this is acknowledged and understood today. So we have programs and projects going on right now, uh, fully funded with DISA uh, and NSA to improve the ICAM systems in the DOD. Um, also, data tagging and labeling, uh, that's a huge challenge in the DOD. We don't have a data tagging and labeling standard. So to get up to target, we're great with that. Uh, beyond target, if we want to do really advanced analytics, advanced visualization, AI, ML, you need to have your data tagged. This is a big problem. Um, so because of that, and it's not just a ZT problem, um, it's a JATC2 problem, it's a CDAO issue, uh, you know, any major program requires data tags and labels. This is something natural industry has solutions for. Um, other elements of, the, of uh, the federal government have solutions for this. The DOD, it's, it's ad hoc and we don't have clear standards for this. So we in the uh, ZT PFMO uh, want to lead that effort 
to drive a standard for uh, data tagging and labeling. So you may see something this year, an initiation of that process, uh, that effort this year from us. That's really exciting. Um, you know, you mentioned the fully funded uh, efforts going on, and I'm curious always about, you know, Zero Trust is great, but is there money behind it? And um, so what does that look like in terms of your program office's involvement in helping get some of these efforts funded as services and field activities and whatnot take off on this journey? So, uh, you know, I'm lucky to be in the DOD that happens to have funds. Uh, we're not... Uh, uh, without the dollars and the resources necessary to do this. We have leadership, which is even more important, uh, willing and understanding of the priority that this has to have. Uh, so the funding for that uh, uh, is there for that. Uh, the SECDEF, DEPSECDEF, and everybody up and down uh, believe that this is a very important cybersecurity initiative to do, and you could see clearly in the world today why that might be. Um, so um, since Palm 23, uh, which is uh, now uh, two kind of two cycles of financial before um, funding for zero trust initiated. Uh, I won't mention the numbers, but they're large, um, and they're predicated or dictated on what the services and the agencies came in and said that they needed. Uh, and there was a legitimate debate back and forth, and numbers definitely went down. But in the end, they received dollars. I saw that same process happen in Palm 24, which ended approximately October last year. Um, and Palm 25 is going to be kicking off in March. So as we get more and more clarity, um, the services and the agencies are going to know where their gaps are. You know, we just came out with the strategy and the implementation plan uh, like in November. So that missed all the prior Palms. So now the services are sitting on this. The Air Force came out with an initial uh, take on it. So all the services are going to be that much smarter as to what they require uh, come March and April this year. So I think another round is going to come in, but CAPE is going to be asking tough questions like they ought to and say, okay, you got money these past two years. How are you applying it? You know, where are you on that? And, and justify your, your gaps and tell us. And then they're going to be looking at us as a portfolio office to nod our head whether or not we concur that this is required or not. And so it's not going to be a green light. Uh, they're going to, we're going to challenge them. So as we close out here, uh, just in a quick way, can you share, you know, as you're on this five-year journey, which is ambitious, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. What are the most important elements or the most important element, if, if you have one, um, to getting this right so that, you know, in 2027, DOD is zero trust ready? So I think the, uh, uh, the requirement to have a consistent support system for this is essential. Um, I think dragging it out past five years is not productive. Uh, DOD doesn't operate that way. DOD operates in two, three, five-year cycles, so that's why we have that five-year plan. Uh, I think the leadership, uh, at least for the next two years, think about it, uh, is going to be fairly stable, and that's critical uh, because the elections are going to be coming up. A lot of people are uh, political appointees, and you may very well have change depending on who comes into office. So. Uh, in the next two years at a minimum, we're going to be driving uh, that implementation. So regardless of what happens beyond two years, we're going to have so much momentum that it's just going to automatically continue along that path. So the next two years is vital. It's important. And for that, the same people or leadership needs to be involved. And that's what I see. So that's, that's the critical piece. The support piece of financial uh, elements, the resources, very important. 
uh, and uh, um, outreach, uh, you know, with our allies, NATO, um, um, FedSiv, you know, we're doing a lot of that also. So penetration in those areas, or at least uh, um, sharing with, uh, with them what we're doing for them to consider um, portions for adoption, I think are very important also, because this is now becoming um, a national security issue. Uh, so if, they, if folks can get goodness out of what we did, all the more better. Randy, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Really, thank you for your time. Thank Let's you. give him another round thank of applause. You. Thank you. You can learn more about the Pentagon's cybersecurity strategy at defensescoop.com. Also at last month's Zero Trust Summit, Renata Spinks, the Assistant Director for IC4 and Chief Information Officer at the Marine Corps, as well as Cisco's Peter Romness, joined my Scoop News Group colleague Mike Farrell to discuss how they're enabling the transition to Zero Trust across DOD. But I will tell you, it's two words that will get you through your Zero Trust journey, and it is a never-ending journey. It is have fun. That's it. If you have fun, everything else that you face that is disastrous, that is unanticipated, that is, oh my God, hair on fire, and if you're in the Marine Corps, it's, oh my God, everything is a priority, you gotta have fun. Um, that's, that's truly, you know, all jokes aside, that is really what gets me through some of the most complicated and complex challenges in our network for, for um, enabling zero trust. But a little bit more important is you have to have visibility, right? You gotta know what's on your network before you can even start saying, well, we wanna make sure that we can segment or we wanna execute conditional access. Um, and second of all is start to love metrics because you have to be able to measure success. You gotta be able to define it and you also have to um, measure it. And the reason why you didn't hear me say anything truly technical is because we have smart people working for us every day. Engineers are going to figure out the technical solution. They're gonna do that. It's the, it is the strategic approach, the prioritization, and all of the things that it takes mentally for you to pull off the miraculous things that we're doing on these networks. And I'm gonna pause there and give my um, counterpart a chance to yeah, give so some input. I heard love, I heard fun, is yep. this the advice that you give uh, to your CISOs when you're talking to them about zero trust? Well, I think it is. Um, and I think other speakers this morning have talked about it. Um, and that is you need to have executive and user buy-in, right? Um, you don't want to uh, be trying to do this on your own. We've seen that um, from every speaker this morning. Um, and I talk about ways to make uh, zero trust more approachable. One thing that you might want to think about is not using the term zero trust with your users. What, you don't trust me? Um, so maybe we should, you know, we've started thinking of things like enhanced access, trusted enhanced access, enhanced trusted access, those types of things. Um, but, you know, using a more positive approach to it and showing the good that it can bring to help achieve their mission, um, I think is a huge thing. Um, personally, uh, when I look at end user wins, I think about when I'm sitting at my desk at home and I go and uh, go to log into a new application um, and I've already logged in that morning um, and so instead of, uh, you know, having to type my stuff in again, I see the little uh, identity and access management thing spin and then I don't have to 
enter anything. And I'm thinking, whoa, here's an advantage of zero trust. It just made my life easier. Plus, I can maybe get to a, an application that I couldn't get to before from a remote location. And so showing your users that it's making their life easier, showing your executives that, that you're helping achieve the mission, um, I think that's a huge part of, of it, and that's the advice I'd give. And, and it, it gets down to, we want to make everybody have fun. So, Renata, I know you have a lot of different stakeholders in the Marine Corps. You have people at the Pentagon, you have people who are out you know, uh, in battlefields. Uh, tell us about how you think about zero trust, given all of those different types of users that you have to accommodate. Well, opposite of my counterpart here, Peter, we can say zero trust in the battlefield because we don't trust anything, anyone, okay? Um, so we can say it there, but that's, that is a secret environment. And you know, we're leaning very hard on industry right now for understanding how do you execute an architecture based on zero trust principles, um, tenants, whichever ones you want to call it. Those capabilities are, are more important in the secret environment because that is where the warfighters network is. It's, it's in your most austere locations. You may not be deployed, you could be right at Quantico and still not be able to connect. How can we still execute the protections that are needed from a warfighter's perspective? And that's what we're really leaning in on um, with industry to just help us out with. We, we've kind of mastered the identity piece. Now it's about access and um, quick movement when you need it, where you need it, at the time you need it, in the most secure manner. And that means continuous monitoring. Um, the ATO process has to speed up because, you know, they're developing applications literally on the fly because you're responding to whatever it is that is occurring. And depending on which region you're in, that could be you're responding to a disaster. It could be you're responding to a hurricane or a tsunami of some sort that we're giving support to. Or you could be literally in an exercise just for training, training, training. And, and so it just really depends on what you're responding to or pre-positioning for. But at the end of the day, the, the, the Warfighters Network is a secret environment and, and we need to hear more about what that looks like. Yeah. So uh, she tossed that one up for you, Peter, because she uh, says she needs help from industry. Where, where, as the industry representative on this panel, where, where, are you, where are you helping out? Where do you see others coming to, to provide that aid? Well, what I would say is, is that um, the thing that we see very often is that there's a misconception about zero trust that you have to throw away everything that you have. Um, I know that um, most vendors in the room have been making, building in zero trust capabilities into their devices for years. I know that our switches and routers have had the ability to, um, to segment down to the port for probably 12 years. Um, so the idea that you have to throw everything away is a mistake. Um, you should have a plan uh, of how to get started. Um, you should have a view of where you want to be and then develop that plan without throwing things away. And along with that, I think you should look for vendors who play well together. Um, you know, you shouldn't have to uh, have custom writing to make uh, one vendor work with another so you're maybe your endpoint detection work with your behavioral detection. Um, so th I think that's an important thing that we as industry can we bring to you. I, I also think that it all ought to be automated. When you're making all of these trust-based decisions about who can go where, you can't do that manually. 
It has to be done uh, in an automated fashion. You have to also be able to see what's going on in your environment, this whole thing about visibility and control that we talked about. So all of that needs to be automated. It needs to be easier for the people who have to make it happen. Um, and yeah, we've got really great technical people, but we don't have enough of them. We need to make their jobs better so they want to stick around. Yeah. Um, and so that's, uh, I think, that the big advice that I see. Yeah, that's from... great. So we've got a little bit of time left. Um, last one goes to you, Renata. So you said that zero trust is a never-ending journey, but it is going to have a deadline, right? And uh, so um, your colleague Randy, before he came to say, he said, what would you ask Renata? If he was interviewing, he said he would want to know if you set a deadline yet for a zero trust implement, implementation. Um, I would say yes, we have deadlines. We have multiple deadlines because we do things very incrementally. We've adopted an agile mindset. Notice I said mindset. Um, and so every 90 days, there should be results. There should be retrospectives. There should be lessons learned and minimize my technical debt. Um, we operate off of a technical roadmap that's very specific. Don't mind being graded on it. It's an opportunity to get better. Um, so every 90 days within the Marine Corps, according to a one-year technical implementation roadmap, um, that is how we set our deadlines with multiple priorities. Um, and lastly, because I know our time is, is out, um, we're not trying to eat the entire elephant. We're focusing on a few capabilities within the zero trust that are mandated. They're outlined by White House mandates, et cetera, et cetera. Those are strategic approaches. And the way you get after meeting the deadlines that have been set is making sure that you can meet the capabilities. It's, it's not an out-of-the-box solution. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for these insights. Uh, really appreciate it. You can watch more from the Zero Trust Summit at zerotrustsummit.upgather.com. The Defense Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Defense Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again March 30th. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.